Now introducing the Minor Wisdom Trio! Minor Wisdom! I had a fun chat this week. Newsflash, it was actually a few weeks ago. But anyway, I had a fun chat with Allison Sweet. Shall I say it was pretty wicked yeah that's right it was pretty wicked so uh fun chat with allison sweet i i don't know allison sweet the the reason i do there's that abrupt stop yeah i think i'm just gonna make it a thing now anyway the reason i do this podcast is so that i can get to know people like allison um and like i say every week i don't care if you enjoy it i had a great time and uh that's all that really matters selfishly so <clears throat> I've got a few things to talk about this week. Um, they're not all positive, uh, but I'll do my best. Uh, I am opening this. This is a positive. Um, I'm doing The Little Mermaid a, at Klein Oak High School, and that, that is a good thing. There's nothing wrong with the process thus far. There, It's actually, uh, if anything, it's gone like amazingly well. I, I think the only thing negative is the stage is 120 feet wide it's like the size of a football field um that again good problem to have i guess if you uh, know how to manage it and so far so good but that's like the only negative the kids at this school are amazing um there's a team of lighting kids that i wish i have had at every school i've ever had i only have like two ever uh and i don't know why but this school I don't know what's in the water at this school, but they seem to have a bunch of kids that just want to do lighting. And uh, no offense to Darren, who's over there. Darren's an amazing designer and a great builder, but he's self-admittingly uh, not a lighting person. And so, but they have the kids that want to learn this stuff, the sponges, if you will. So I've had a heck of a good time as I record this, as, a, as I do with most. It's Friday night. Tomorrow, I will be up there all day all day. So by the time this drops, I will have been there all day and having a blast. Probably the day will go by, uh, rather quickly. Uh, they're doing L- the little mermaid. Not, not a huge fan of that show. Not, not the version they're doing, uh, just the show itself. It's, it's one of those tough ones because, and I've had this conversation with, uh, Stephen Bogard, who works with me at Cooper, uh, about how, uh, there's kind of an elephant in the room <laughs> while you're watching the show. And that is that, they're, they're never underwater. And there are times in the show when we're looking at people that are supposed to be underwater and people that are uh, above water on, gra- on on land, on ground, on land, ground, whatever. Um, and that's weird in the show. So I don't know how the, I've never seen the SpongeBob show, but I'm assuming it's a little bit uh, similar. I have, I honestly have no idea. I know nothing about SpongeBob other than it looks like a heck of a fun show to, to do because a lot of people are doing it and posting it and all that stuff. It is musical season and it's fun to see all the musicals that are on stage. Um, and uh, uh, it's, it's really really cool it's really fun i don't have much to say about that that's that's about all i got uh i i will say you know i'm working in klein and again this has nothing to do with klein uh they've actually klein's been amazing the district to me uh and but i but i'm also and i'm not going to name the district because i'm about to turn into negative nancy sorry nancy but 
um, not every district's easy to work with. And the, there's a district that shall, re- again, remain nameless. It is in the state of Texas. It is not in the Houston area. So, um, but again, I'm not going to name it. Uh, and it sucks. Uh, the district sucks. It's, it's not a good district. They, they're, uh, the people that I know that work in that district are having a hard time. The people that I know that have worked in the district have left for good reason. Um, and this district has about 20 pieces of paper to fill out if you want to be uh, at any like sort of consultant or anything like that. In this case, um, I'm working for the district. Again, not going to say in what capacity, but uh, I'm going to be at a school in this district for one day. And still, there are lots of districts that if you're just coming in for a day to do something, sure, you may have to do a criminal history background check. But they raptor you. They put your little ID in the little machine and it spits out a sticky badge and you put it on your chest and you go about your business for a couple hours and then you go home. Well, this district, um, I've had to fill out, I I kid you not, about 20 pieces of paper and that is fine. So uh, I will say this, for uh, for Klein, you have to fill out quite a bit, but it's all in one packet. And and it's kind of like buying a house, which I've done now three times, or a car, you know, all those pieces of paper are not all meant for one person. They all go to different areas in the country. The government, uh, uh, your your real estate agent, um, uh, a broker, you know, all different things. But but one person has you sign all these things, and then it is their job to uh, disseminate the papers uh, uh, to whoever, right? Well, in this district that I'm speaking of, um, no, that's not the case. They send you a bunch of different papers that on the paper itself, it says, please send this paper to this company or send this paper to this place. And, but it's not clear and it's frustrating. And, uh, I wish there was a process for people like me who want to eventually just be consultants, people like Chuck, uh, who's out there now doing his thing, people like potentially others technicians that shall remain nameless as well. And I wish there was a process, the universal process. It is easier to apply for college than it is to work on a campus for one day in a school district. And it's ridiculous. It's stupid. I'm bitching. I'm moaning. Okay, I'm done. Um, that's really all I wanted to complain about, but uh, that's it. Uh, again, T-Tech has wrapped. We are going to be having a postmortem. We've already started a list of people that we want to have next year. Like we're, we're really, we got really motivated um, to make the best T tech that we could possibly make for you guys. And so we're already getting the ball rolling on next year. Um, again, this will drop after the fact, but I know that TXCTA had their thing in Midland, uh, their roundup, their one day roundup. Um, hope that went well. Hope everybody that was involved with that uh, had some success and, you know, there's there's this crazy thing, crazy idea that there's a rivalry between different brands of um, theater professional development for educators. And really, there shouldn't be. If there is, I'm not privy to it since I'm a part of both organizations. Uh, but I will say this. Um, who cares? Uh, just go get professional development and get trained. And there's there's there's, there's never too much too, too much? There is too much. There's never too much training for a teacher. You can't ever learn 
too much or be told too much uh, because it is your own you know, decision to take things away from what you're told and from what you experience. You, you don't have to take everything away from stuff. I've been teaching this Shakespeare class, and although the, it's all seniors and they're starting to really hit that senioritis hard, uh, I make them every day give me a quote, a Shakespearean quote about how they feel at that moment. And it's been amazing to hear that stuff. A lot of them are about being sleepy or, or hungry. Uh, but every once in a while, I get a really good quote about, you know, life is what you make of it. You know, it's your decision. It's your brain. It's uh, Bad things only exist if you feel bad or, you know, things like that. I'm not, I'm not Shakespeare, for, obviously, for good reason. But uh, it, is, it has really made me aware of just how many uh, Shakespeare quotes there are that talk about, like, just suck it up, buttercup. The, the decisions that affect you and make you feel a certain way are your decisions. It's, it's you making up that, that, that idea that things are so negative. Speaking of not negative and very positive, this week with Allison Sweet, it is a really fun interview. Uh, I don't know a lot of people that know Allison, but I can't wait for all of you to hear Allison Sweet. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, also uh, wait for that little tech tip. Got a good one this week, I think. I don't know. It's good to me. Whatever. It's my podcast. I'll do what I want. Uh, friend me on Facebook. Do all the things. Rate this podcast. I would love to see some new ratings pop up, even if you're not used to that stuff. Rate it. Okay. Have a great week, peeps. My journey started a little later. I grew up a dancer. Um, I come from a farming family of generations. So uh, we, I mean, I'm like a third generation shallow water alum, um, which is unusual. And so, um, yes, I grew up in a dancing background. My mom was a dancer. My brother um, is an artist and I wanted to be as cool as him and as creative as him. Um, But obviously I couldn't paint or draw but I wanted to kind of explore that creative ad avenue, but I just didn't know how. Um, so dance was kind of my creative outlet for a long time. And then my junior year of high school, I took my arts credit and lo and behold, I ended up in Cindy Couch's theater one class. And we started reading a play um, as a class and we were going to do it as a production. And um, I can't remember if she had reached out to me and asked if I wanted to be in one act or I bugged her to be in one act. I can't figure out which. Um, But anyways, that next semester, I began one act my junior year. And I auditioned for The American Clock. It was the 2012 season, Arthur Miller. And Oh my gosh, it just hit me. My first ever play was an Arthur Miller. That's amazing. (laughs) Man. Yeah, making uh, Um, strides going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep going. Yes. Just another kudos to Cindy Couch. Um, So anyways, I was a small role, an ensemble role, and um, I just fell in love with it ever since. Dancing was, I loved it, but it didn't 
give me that full expression that I think I I was really wanting. And in fact, there was one time after a dance recital, my mom had come up to me and she said, Allison, your facial expressions, you've got to calm them down. They're, they're way too big. You've like, tone it down, sister. <laughs> I remember thinking, well, why? I'm telling a story through my movement and through my, and so I think from the beginning, I was just, there was just a yearning for more. And theater really, really did it for me. So anyways, junior and senior year, I was in one act. I loved it. I loved every second. I loved being a part of a team and working together. And Cindy um, was an extremely collaborative director. So, you know, she trained not just actors. She trained, I mean, you didn't just have a part in the show. You also um, were a designer and you got input on the set and the costumes. And um, she just created a beautifully collaborative environment that um, I think really, really impacted me as a director and as an artist. Um, so when my senior year, when I was looking to graduate, you know, thinking about what I wanted to do, I um, started looking at colleges deciding, you know, do I want to do dance? Do I want to do theater? And I went and interviewed at uh, West Texas A&M University. And that is the best decision ever I've ever made. Um, and so I, I remember first visiting with Stephen Crandall and we sat and talked. He took an hour out of his day to sit and talk with a senior high school student that may or may not end up at WT. And I think that meant a lot to me. Um, and I just kind of knew that um, looking forward, that it that relationship would, would continue like that, that they truly cared about their students. And so I came back and auditioned. They saw potential and that's all they saw. Um, I would not say that I was the most talented actress to begin with. Um, just because I started so late. I loved what I did, but I can't tell you how many times Cindy would uh, give me a note and a critique to project. Be louder, Allison. You're too quiet. Be louder. Be louder. Be louder. Over and over and over again. Um, so anyways, I will say that they they saw potential. <laughs> and I ended up at West Texas A&M University. Again, best decision ever. Um, so I studied under Royal Brantley and Stephen Crandall. And again, I use those names because the culture at WT was very, you worked one-on-one -on -one with those professors. The student to professor ratio was small. And so you just developed these relationships with um, these experts and you grew um, a lot because of that. And I really, really loved that. And because the student population was a little bit smaller, your chances of being in shows was greater. And at WT, I was in those golden years um, of amazing theater at, at WT. I think they are a hidden gem in Texas. Um, solid, solid theater there. 
But anyway, so I, I did my four years at WT. I graduated and I could say my life took a little bit of a turn. My senior year, again, I was put in a position to begin thinking, you know, what am I going to do after this? And I was, you know, keeping an eye on my friends who had already graduated and moved to cities, you know, Dallas, Chicago, LA, New York. And it didn't seem like they they were having that much fun and they couldn't find work. Um, And I looked at myself and I'm like, you know, I'm just, I didn't even major in musical theater. I mean, I just got a theater performance degree. And so um, I guess you could say I kind of had an existential crisis in that I was like, I don't think I'm going to make it. And if I do end up in a city, I'm going to be miserable. Um, And I'm just going to lose my love of theater. And so um, I think out of fear, I decided, no, I'm going to go a different way, which was sad, but I, I don't regret it in the end because here we are back again doing theater, doing what I love. But um, yeah, so I, you know, I started um, at a caregiving company. I love the elderly. I started um, as a caregiver for an elderly lady for like two years. And I loved that, but there wasn't really that deep sense of, of purpose and fulfillment um, that I was looking for. And um, my family owns a agritourism business. So if you've ever been to like a cornfield maze with a pumpkin patch in the fall, um, they'd been doing that for, well, I guess, 23 years. And so I thought maybe, you know, I would go back and, um, you know, help with the business. And um, so I I began my degree in um, a master's in business and I was mid, <laughs> mid degree when Cindy Couch had her retirement party at our farm and um, I got to go up and just give her the biggest hug. They had just one state. I mean, it was an incredible atmosphere to be in. And her students were there, her previous students were there, family, friends, everyone was there. And I just got to be and like sit in that energy, Um, gave her a hug. And I had just asked her about, you know, how the interview process for the new theater director had been going. And she said, Allison, you have to apply. She said, please apply. Um, I think you would be a great fit. And it's funny, you would think a normal human being would go, okay, well, let me think about it. You know, I'm mid degree, you know, I'm kind of going on this path, but I think for about a year, I just was aching for theater again. Gosh, I just, I had to get back in it somehow. And I was looking, you know, for a way. And this to me was like that open door, you know? And I think I maybe thought, hmm. I went back and forth, maybe 10 minutes thinking, okay, should I, shouldn't I? And then I said, oh yeah, I've got to try. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be crazy and just do it. I did not have my certification. I didn't have any of it, but I went ahead and applied and 
miraculously <laughs> got the position and um, the rest is history. This is my second year here and I am truly living the dream, truly living the dream. And jokes on me, I swore I would never be a high school theater director, <laughs> let alone come back to shallow water right. and be a high school theater director. And now I know this is like, this is like a dream come true. So it's funny how life works out like that. Your perspectives change so much and your definition of success changes so much. And so anyways, this is, yeah, this is the dream. Uh, that's cool. That's, uh, like just your, your full circle kind of thing. So, yes. uh, I, I, first of all, I've got to touch on the family business thing, but I'll wait to do that. Uh, <laughs> cause, cause that's, well, I'll explain a little bit, but, uh, so okay. you, you, you stopped, it was an, were you going for an MBA? Is that what you were? Uh, yes. Okay. Did yes. you, did, how many hours did you complete or how many credits did you? <clears throat> I think I was like six months in. Okay. So 12. Actually, I was already a semester in. Okay. I had done one semester already and I was just starting my second okay. semester. So so not very deep but into not, it. Okay, okay. No, no, no. I was going to say, because I found out, I won't uh, get in too into the weeds on this one because I don't want to anger anybody, but I'm currently in a, <laughs> in a second master's program because the first master's program I, I did, I completed, but it was an ME. And I w I've always wanted to teach college, uh, and I've always wanted to teach theater kids, mm -hmm. theater students. And so I was told, well, you got to have an MA or an MFA, right? And uh, in order to teach theater. But what I didn't realize until this past semester is that I want to teach theater educators. And most theater education programs are actually MEs um, in a lot of places, or you need an ME, uh, shall I say, you don't necessarily graduate with one, but to teach it, you typically need an ME to do it. And so I, I'm in this program now and I'm thinking, well, shoot, I've got <laughs> what I need. I've already I, got oh, that. <laughs> and so, but the reason I bring all that up is because somebody said, I think you have to have like 18 hours or 18 credits in order to be able to teach something. You don't need the full degree. So that's why I asked you is, because you could yeah. potentially be certified, quote unquote, to do the business side, but not have the MBA. So, right, right. Do you think that that's something like in the future that you would would you go? Now I feel like you're going to go back to get a master's in not business, but maybe education or in theater. Yeah. So yeah, Looks I like the, yeah that is the struggle in your eyes. <laughs> I am. I love school. I love school. That is, I thrive in that environment. So definitely, um, an, a possibility, an option. Yeah. I don't know yeah. when, um, I don't think maybe within the next couple of years for sure. I, I really want to stay where I'm at, but, right. um, and you know, some people do both at the right. same time. I would pull my hair out. Right. I don't, I don't think I could do that. I think I would want to, to focus on getting my master's and then come back to teaching, right. But, um, yeah, definitely. Uh, do you, were you like dance team dancer or were you like, uh, yeah, you were like a perform, a, uh, like stage dancer kind of thing. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was, um, gosh, I don't know all the terminology. I wasn't a competitor. Right. It was one of those, I would go to a dance studio and you would learn 
you know, certain routines and then you would do a recital. Okay. So it was, um, very low key. Yeah. You weren't, you weren't like drill team. No, no. Okay. okay. No, my favorite was, um, tap. Okay. I loved tap. Can you still tap? But once you learn how to tap, it's really hard to unlearn it. It's <laughs> okay. funny. It's like, yeah, you, I've never heard you that can't before. unlearn tap. <laughs> you can unlearn all the technique with jazz and stuff, but once your like ankles and your feet are acclimated to it, <laughs> you can always do it. So the stamina part, probably not, but right. the, I don't know how to explain it, but yeah, you can't unlearn tap. So does that open up a different type of show that you would musical or things like that? Like, because you know that you can do it and potentially teach it. Does that open up your kind of library of potential uh, productions or does that not really have an effect? I think so. Um, I think in future years, a musical should definitely be on the table. I couldn't do it by myself. Right. I'd have to get the choir director. And there actually is a dance teacher here at Shallow Water now um, that I would probably bring on board. And um, But when it comes to my show's movement, I have found, you know, this is our one act is going to be my fourth, fifth directed show. Okay. Um, and already I'm finding that, you know, one of my strengths is movement. And so like last year we did define gravity and we incorporated movement into it. And some of the girls that I had had were cheerleaders and dancers and we did stunts and all that cool stuff. And so, um, yeah, I definitely like to play to my strengths and in utilizing that movement for sure. But yeah, in future years, having a musical production, you know, incorporating tap dance back. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I would love to do that. Yeah. Cause like some of the more popular ones right now, like Shrek and things like that, or, uh, they have some good tap numbers. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just did white Christmas and, uh, it has a big tap number too, but yes, you know, yeah, that yeah, would yeah. be so fun to do. Yeah. I didn't tap. I didn't teach them or take part. I just lit it, but you know, yeah. I, I enjoyed the sounds of the tap shoes. Um, so <laughs> I, I gotta, I gotta ask about this family business thing. So you, yeah. you, I mean, you quickly ran over it and, and some people like my father-in-law was a train engineer, the, you know, or not a train engineer, train conductor, the guy that wore the blue and white stripe and the things that, you know, you as a kid, you grow up yes. and you, you wear that hat and you're like, I want to be a train engineer one day. Um, <laughs> and, uh, he was that. He was that. So there's, there's like, when I met my wife and she was talking to me about what her dad used to do and what he retired and, uh, as, and all this kind of stuff, she just quickly glossed over it. I was like, no, 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 go back to this. That's, that's like really cool. You know, for, for an eight year old boy to be like, wait, those people actually exist, you know? Um, so you, you said your family, what was the like specific, the, the actual term for it? Um, the, the technical term is called agritourism. So agriculture and tourism mesh together. So, and you, and you said like the corn mazes. Yes. That's have you ever been to a corn maze before? So yes. And it was one of the few times in my life where I thought I would not live to see the next day <laughs> because, because I thought I, I was like, I, 
I just, I guess, you know, if, if it was a certain time of day, I feel like those mazes are easier, uh, in the early morning or in the late afternoon because the sun is helping, literally helping you. But if you do it at 12 o'clock or one o'clock in the, in the daytime and the sun is over you and you have no point of reference, it's, you know, you're like, well, I don't know where I'm at. And, uh, so, so, so obviously I, I lived through it. Um, but, (laughs) but I did, I didn't realize like that was like a, like that was a business. I know, obviously I know that yes. those things exist and people own those things, but, um, I have a former student that owns a bunch of, uh, uh, escape rooms. Like his, that's what his family business is. And he's going into that business. So like, it's a, it's just a thing that these things exist. <laughs> I know it's such an interesting niche. Yeah. Um, my dad was a cotton farmer Okay. and, um, farming is an act of faith. Right. <laughs> you don't know if you're going to. I mean, there's so much that is out of your control when it comes to farming. Um, and there were several years in a row where the crop was just not good. And so my parents were looking for ways to um supplement their income. And they saw this idea in a magazine, this corn maze business. And um so they they we started off the first year just a corn maze and a concession stand that also <laughs> sold tickets. Oh, and we had the hayride with pumpkins, yeah. but it was dirt and that and nothing else. And um, every year it just grew and grew. And now that's their main income. Wow. So, um, yeah, they love it. They love it. I think this is their 23rd or 24th year. Wow. Doing is, it, it. is it but, seasonal? It is. Yeah. So they're open, um, from the second week of September to the first week of November. So just a real short amount of time. Um, and they get hit hard and fast and then they recuperate until the next year. Yeah. (laughs) Do they, do they like incorporate, uh, like during this time of year, do they incorporate like holiday hay rides or like, is there, is there another element to it as the year goes on or? We've definitely thought about that. Um, but no, okay. um, not yet. I think that there are always other opportunities for that, but do you do like as a spooky, of right now, we just don't. Do you do like a haunted huh? corn, corn maze or I feel like you could get no. your students, you could get your students involved. Yes. Anyway. I'm so just... my family, especially my mom hates anything <laughs> scary. She doesn't have to go in it. She can't even pronounce horror right. She says horror. Okay. I hate Allison. I hate everything horror. I just can't stand the horror stuff. And I'm like, okay, that was way too Southern. She doesn't actually speak like that. But horror, horror, she can't stand anything horror. So we, it's very family friendly right. um, is what they call it. But yeah, we've, they've actually tried a couple of years way back in the beginning to do something like a haunted maze. Yeah. But it just attracts the wrong crowd. Yes. It really does. I get that. Um, I get that. So anyways. This week's tech tip is not really a tip so much as just kind of a new uh, way of speaking nowadays. You know, plugs are called male and female ends. Uh, but, but we've sort of slowly gone away from that, even though it's not necessarily derogatory. It's just 
awkward to teach your students like, hey, this is a male and this is a female in and here's why. So if you go with the socket and the plug, that might be something that is less giggly, <laughs> male and female, uh, and easier for some of the students to digest why we call it male and female. So socket and plug are two now commonly used things, even though not everything is a socket. It's just a cleaner, more anatomically, no, not anatomically correct. Anyway, enjoy the rest of the interview with Allison Sweet. You, uh, two things with that horror thing. First of all, I loved your mom in Steel Magnolias. Second of all, um, <laughs> second of all, I'm, I'm Jewish. And so horror to us is a dance. Uh, so it's, it, you know, anyway, that's, that's, what's funny about that. So when we say horror, <laughs> but I also think about as a theater person, the word horror on stage, just like the word ship, you know, you always, you tell your students like, no, no, no. We have to really enunciate these words because yes. they could come across as something else, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We actually had that um, issue last year in Defying Gravity yeah. because ship yeah. was used a lot. And yeah, there were there were many a time that it did not sound like ship. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. You have to really... If, if you're going to hit any letter in that word, it's got to be the P. Um, <laughs> Ain't that the truth? So, so I, I thought of something you, you mentioned about how uh, you came out of college and went into uh, working for uh, elderly people. <clears throat> I think you said old, but I'm going to say elderly. Uh, <laughs> but but I, I, too, have kind of a soft place in my heart for um, helping the elderly Uh but you, you said something, and it reminded me of something that I heard a long time ago, that uh, sometimes you have to walk towards the fire to know that you have to turn around. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what, what that kind of what that means is, you know, sometimes you have to go try something before you realize I got to go the other direction. And not to say that what you were doing was wrong or you wouldn't continue. Um, it just wasn't where your passion was. So um, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And all the lessons you learn along the way too. And that, you know, from a day-to-day basis, I, I look back and I think, oh, wow, I, I learned this skill Mm -hmm. in this job. Um, And so it's amazing that, you know, even though I feel like that might've been a little bit of a um, diversion Mm -hmm. um, that I'm still able to look back and be really grateful I did it because I'm able to still utilize those skills yeah. in teaching. So are there, yeah, I that. are there things that you, uh, and you may not have put much thought to this yet, but are there elements to what you have done thus far that you can attribute to Cindy? Oh, wow. I mean, yeah. it's probably a lot, but yeah. Are there, is yeah. there anything you can pinpoint? Um, I think foundationally, like first and foremost, it would be that collaborative um, atmosphere. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of different types of directors and we've all been exposed to the worst and the best. Um, luckily, I've been, exp- I mean, really, I don't think I've ever had a bad director um, in that they all had different styles. Um, and Cindy's style was very, very 
the student, you need to take charge um, of this show. You need to take ownership of this show. And it wasn't just, I mean, it, her shows um, had a lot to do with culture and history. Um, and so we, it was a history lesson. Um, and we didn't just learn it, we lived it. And so she would bring in people um, to speak. She would have us, you know, she would put me in charge of something. Like I remember my first year, she had me choreograph a tap dance. Um, and so she gives you jobs to do. Um, so I, I just loved her collaborative spirit um, in that. And we keep that culture we keep that tradition here at shallow water for sure. She trained those kids already. I don't think I could untrain them to do that. Um, and I don't want to in smaller schools, you know, I'm a one man show. I do middle school, one act, I do high school, one act, and I've got to have, um, students help me with stuff. And I think they take more ownership for sure. So that would be my first, my, my best answer for that is that she really, really teaches a spirit of collaboration in theater, which is how it should be. What What is your schedule? You just mentioned the middle school thing. I didn't I didn't know that you also did middle school. So do you have a yeah. travel? <clears throat> so for middle school, uh, we compete in the fall. So we start the audition process in August. Um, and then go until November. Okay. And then our, our competition is usually the first or second week of November. And then um, we turn around and audition for, well, we take about a month and then we audition for high school one act and then begin that process. But for middle school this year, well, and for the past 20 something years, it's always been at shallow water. So we haven't had to travel okay. uh, with middle school. That's kind of convenient. <laughs> Do you teach? So are, convenient. Are you teaching oh at the middle gosh. school as well? Or are you you like are you doing yes. classes there too? Yeah. So okay. in the morning I have two middle school classes. Um and then in the afternoon I have theater one classes and um theater production. Okay. Wow. Oh, and then I also have um a special education class. Oh, okay. Which is so fulfilling. It's so fun. Um, yeah. So three girls come in and, you know, they learn yeah. theater just like everybody else. And it's probably more beneficial to them than anyone right? Um, because they're learning, you know, speaking skills, social, emotional learning skills. And so anyways, yeah. That's- and Cindy started that some years ago. So that is another thing that, you know, it's really important that that, that carries on. Right. That is important. Yeah. We have something coming in at T-Tech this year the middle of January, this will probably air after that. But, um, we have a, a Kirstie Lewis who, who runs an organization out of, I think out of Atlanta and they talk about the inclusion element of, of, uh, classrooms and things like that and how to not let it deter you, but, but accept it and own it and, and mm-hmm. make it a part of your program. So good for you. Yeah, absolutely. So you, before we started recording you, this isn't about me. But maybe it'll turn into uh, <laughs> something about you. But you, yeah, I've got to know. Yeah, you you asked me what what's behind me. So it doesn't look as um, 
you know, objects in mirror are further away than they appear is what I think is going on here. But so I've got obviously the just the screen. I so I I have two daughters, uh, a wife, uh, a female dog, uh, a female hamster. So there's a lot of estrogen happening in my house. So um, I was given permission to create a man cave when we moved to this house yes. uh, now it may turn into my mother-in-law's room in the future whatever i digress more estrogen on the way but um <laughs> uh but uh this man cave has a screen in it that i can i usually watch wrestling like wwe like you know sunday 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 that crap yes. uh, and then and then these are all wrestling figures uh, or as my oldest oh, daughter says yeah. her college fund uh being thrown <laughs> away so uh I have more than I really should as a 40-year-old man um, that I, I don't know if it'll ever amount to anything, but I just – I would like to think they are. My grandfather collected Yadro, like the porcelain, like – I think he was French, Italian maybe. I don't remember, but Spanish. Spanish. He was Spanish. Hello. Um, but uh, – and those are like porcelain pieces that ended up like costing us money rather than getting us money, which is what he thought it would be. Um, and so anyway, yeah, those are my, <laughs> those are my wrestling toys. But that they're... is too cool. <laughs> so. My husband, <clears throat> um, he loves collecting Yeah. and his thing. Oh my gosh. If he listens to this podcast, he's going to kill me. Um, he collects magic cards. Oh he yeah. Is so good at it like he can put together a deck and he tries to explain it to me and i'm just nodding a lot along blankly like uh -huh. sure babe um but anyways he says the same thing babe one day these yeah. are gonna be a really good investment <laughs> it's gonna be a really good investment and so that's what i'm doing and i'm like all right babe yeah you do you i'm so it's awesome to have hobbies and just screw what everyone else thinks yeah well and I've been told, like, these aren't worth anything unless you get them signed. But then, A, some of these guys are dead. So that's not obviously going to happen. And B, <laughs> um, it costs so much money to get them signed. And it's already tough to convince my wife to, like, let me spend a little bit of money here and there for wrestling toys. When, <laughs> when like, I have trouble, like, seeing her walk in with, like, a new pair of shoes or something. But, uh, which are practical. Um so uh, to say like, hey, sweetie, I'm going to go to this convention an hour and a half away to, and spend $200 on an autograph so that I can maybe get $300 back. Anyway, it's, <laughs> I, I'm not going to, I haven't done autographs, but um, I have a friend that's trying to convince me to do it. And I keep telling him, no, uh, I don't make that much money. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like, it takes a lot of money to make money. Do you, do you? And that's. What's, that's tough what's your guilty like you we're not going to call me out and call your husband out and especially if your husband listens to this i don't want him to you know <laughs> i i need him to know that you also are are um uh vulnerable what's what's yes. like what's your what's your kind of weird quirky thing um my weird quirky thing is going to have to be animal crossing <laughs> yeah okay okay i i started animal crossing when it came out on the GameCube. Oh, the yeah. GameCube. Yeah, an OG. I am an OG fan yeah. of Animal Crossing. Um, so anyways, when it came out on the Switch, I lost my mind. Yeah. And I've been playing religiously ever since. But yeah, that's my that's my escape. I love it. 
I love it. I love decorating and right. talking to my villagers and it's just a whole world I've created. And yeah, that's my, that's me being vulnerable right there. Yeah. You're welcome yeah. world Dude. and all Texas educators. Yeah. Do your, Hey, and some outside of Texas. Anyway, and do, some yeah, outside of yeah, Texas. just a handful. Do do your students know that you're uh, you're on Animal Crossing? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I don't think all of them do. I don't just like blast it out right. for all to hear. But there is. It's actually Cindy Couch's granddaughter <laughs> that plays it, and we have yet to play together. But um, yeah, she'll tell me how she's doing. I'll tell her how I'm doing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, they do know. It's Some it's and you're 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 still uh young enough to appreciate this, but um it is fun to see your students understand like cuz your students don't look at you like a young person. They you know, they look at you as the teacher and and like so that makes you old. No matter how old you are, <laughs> it just makes you old, right? Cuz you're the teacher. So that but they still look at teachers like they're not human right and so yes. you know when they see you in public places although i'm sure it's a little different in a smaller town but um when they know you do something they do they're like what what do you mean <laughs> like i don't understand i hope so you know my first day i think a lot of students thought i was a student yeah the only thing that's going for me is i'm really tall i'm like <laughs> 6 foot tall and so that's the only thing going for me. Everyone thinks that I'm a student. And so I work every day to, to try to come across as an old person. Um, but <laughs> animal crossing definitely does not work in my favor. That's a great t-shirt. I work every day to come across as an old person. Uh, so <laughs> wait, you, so you just, again, glossed over something that piqued my interest. Cause, uh, you're six feet tall. I did not know that. Obviously you're sitting yes. down right now. Uh, did that, get interest from other parts of your high school? Meaning like, did a coach come up to you and say, Hey, how's that volleyball game of yours? Or how's the basketball? Or like, I would assume because yeah. tall people obviously stand out for obvious reasons, but uh, yeah. did that gain interest from other areas that you were just not really interested in? Um. So most small town people will tell you that to have any sort of, to be worth any sort of salt <laughs> or be popular yeah. in town. Um, you got to play sports. Sure. You got to play sports and you don't just play basketball. You run track, you do volleyball, right. you cheer, you do it all. Um, so yeah, I definitely wanted to be that, especially in middle school. Um, so I started, you know, playing basketball and my brother, the artist was also a very good athlete. Don't ask me why. I wish I had gotten that gene too, because I think that they looked at me and saw a lot of promise. And then as um, practices kept going, it was very clear that I, the only reason that I was semi good was because of my height. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I think that their hopes went down the drain pretty quickly when they saw that, you know, my, I have okay coordination, but I was not some basketball star that's for sure right um and i i actually played sports up until my sophomore year um and then when i found theater i was like oh yeah i'm doing this instead so i went this direction well yeah good and and 
as you should. Uh, and seated, you, again, you don't look like you're six foot tall, but uh, <laughs> how would I know? So I want to get you out of here on this. Uh, um, you had a, you know, your journey was very unique uh, compared to a lot of Texas theater educators, um, uh, especially because, you know, a lot of, the, a lot of teachers either go straight through teaching or, you know, go straight through college and stuff, knowing I'm going to be an educator theater or a theater person goes through thinking I'm going to be a theater professional. And then they, you know, go to New York for a year and a half, two years or whatever, come back, they'd be an educator, whatever your path wasn't exactly that same journey. So there are probably people that are out there that have listened to this or are listening to this or whatever. I don't, I don't know how they have li- Never mind. Anyway, uh, <laughs> they somehow got an advanced copy. No, they are listening to this, uh, uh, that might be fluctuating. You know, it's been very volatile the last few years because of, of COVID and because, uh, kids lost out on social, uh, growth and all this kind of stuff. Uh, so for somebody that's kind of not sure where they are going or where they're headed, you know where this is going because I could see you start thinking. Uh, <laughs> what is what is some sort of? I like to end on advice. What is some sort of like advice or or like maybe even a a, a pep talk or something that you might have um, to kind of s- tell that person like just follow probably follow your heart. I know that sounds very cliche and whatever, but, uh, yeah. what, what might you have to say? I would have to say, don't be afraid to fail. Um, and that's hard to do, you know? Um, and I would also say that I think as we get older, especially from childhood to adulthood, we lose this sense of spontaneity and um like we don't we don't have as much intuition um as adults because we try to be reasonable and I would say that you know when I think about that moment when Cindy had asked me um to please apply my intuition was so strong at that moment. It was like, oh, I got to do this. I've got to at least try, you know? Um, And so I just think it would be, don't be afraid to take that leap of faith. Don't be afraid to fail um, because, because really that is a certain (laughs) in life is that we're going to fail. Um, And that that's how we learn as human beings. And so that, that would probably be my, my one biggest piece of advice is listen to your gut, listen to your intuition and take that leap and don't be afraid, um, to fail and go buffs and freaking go buffs. Minor wisdom.